One second, folks. One second. We we've, we've got a we've got a very we got some very important business to take care of here. Then again, maybe we don't. I think because I haven't used this song in so long, it's not going to work. If it ever plays, that would be great. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Brandon Carney alongside Pat Gustafson. And if Salute you, at the screen. <laughs> if you are uh, watching us visually here with us live right now or on YouTube after the fact, you will notice that Pat is nothing but a faceless entity here. And that is because our good pal Pat had some surgery, which we are thankful to report. Pat, I think went well. You've still got all your limbs, right? Yeah, unfortunately, um, I, I asked about some amputations. Um, the, the doctor did not oblige, and uh, now I have to go see a counselor three times a week. So, yeah, Pat had to get a bacchiotomy real quick, but uh, thankfully everything has gone well, folks. What I tried to open the show with here was a uh, the, the same sad music that I used. I think like what week three, maybe four. Uh, whenever Nick, Nick Chubb got hurt, yeah, it was when Nick Chubb got hurt, and we lost my uh, our, our fallen soldier, Nick Chubb. And, you know, had to play some somber music to to give him, you know, his flowers and uh, just represent the loss that we had. And we had a similar caliber loss this past week. My pal Tank Dell has suffered a season-ending injury, which I am very upset about. Honestly, Pat, this one almost makes me more sad than the Nick Chubb one, like, yeah. in retrospect. Because, like, Such a Chubb, good find. Yeah, it's like, you know, Chubb, yes, losing my first-round pick sucks, but I was able to clearly bounce back very well from that, figure it out from there. Tank Dell felt like the guy that it was like he was going to be the, the savvy pickup that turns into just a superstar for no reason and potentially leads me to a fantasy title, and to lose him right before the fantasy playoffs, just it just sucks ass. But, uh, Pat, I know you had Tank Dell on a few teams as well. Just such an electric player, so much fun to watch even just outside of fantasy. This one... This one stings, but uh, we, we also had another loss, Pat, just for you personally. Uh, do you want to share what that was? Because I know we left our viewers and oh listeners <laughs> hanging in the balance here last week about your playoff hopes. Yes, we did. So basically what I needed to happen this past week was I needed to win. Um, there was actually a scenario where I, um, I could have gotten in had I lost, but I needed to win, and I needed specific teams to win or lose because I didn't really have the tiebreaker over anyone individually. I, you know... It only would have happened in, you know, three-way ties with tiebreakers. I did win. I did score 129 non-PPR points. However, I did not make the playoffs at 8-5. and five. I am now one of two. I'm tied now for the best record of a team that has missed the playoffs in our league. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is I'm not nearly as, like, crushed as you'd think I would be in this situation because, first of all, I accepted defeat, like, early Sunday. Sure. Like, early Sunday, it was clear that the matchups that I needed to fall the certain way weren't going to. So I wasn't holding out hope going into Sunday night or Monday night or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I drafted a good team. I made solid decisions. Like, I didn't have a loss that was due to making one bad decision. So, like, I can't, you know, no what-ifs here in this situation. And um, I got blown out in all my losses. So, you know, I was texting our, our buddy Steve and apparently a regular listener, Steve, if you're out there. Thanks for listening. Um, and I see, you know, he made the playoffs and I, you know, I'm have no shame telling brand this. I told him, I hope he wins. And, um, Oh, I'm crushed. And he said, uh, and he was saying that, yeah, he's like, you know, it feels good to be. And he goes, but your team deserves to be in too. And I said, well, it does, but it also doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. they were, you know, had I deserved to be in, I probably would be in, but uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, that's the way I see it. I had a, it was a it was a roller coaster. I won the last three games just to get just to get my soul crushed. But 
that's kind of the story of my life here in uh in our fantasy football league. Yeah, truthfully, I look at every fantasy football season in the sense of like if I can at least be competitive up until the last week of the fantasy regular season, like I'll consider that a win. Obviously, no moral victories when you're trying to win a fantasy championship, but like that's the fun of fantasy football, right? Is competing and giving yourself a shot. So as long as you can watch games, watch red zone week to week with uh, a horse in the race up until the playoffs at the very least, I think that's a victory in terms of fantasy football. So you definitely had that, Pat. You had a good team that you could root for every week. Yeah, and and exactly, um, too, I was thinking um, I would have been fucked had I won anyway because, you know, Trevor Lawrence had after I've – Never said a bad word about Trevor Lawrence on this podcast. That man no, has carried no. me the last three weeks. Like, we're going to talk about some potential league winners coming up, and he, he would have been towards the top of my list, and it's just... Doug Peterson seems, you know, but that guy's not playing this week. Mm-hmm. But, so I would... I had no quarterback on my roster anyway, so it would have been an uphill battle, but it would have been fun to uh, to still be in the mix. But, say la vie. Yeah, I mean, look, your skill player combination of Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs and then, you know, David Montgomery, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, JT, zero RB when worked. he got back. Zero RB worked. You definitely had the core, but look, sometimes things just don't break your way. And sadly, that is what we're dealing with now. As far as I'm concerned, heading into the playoffs as the one seed, uh, standing in my way is the one of the two people who I faced twice this season. We split one-to-one our matchups, uh, our newest member to the league, Austin. And then should I get past him, waiting for me in the final would be be somebody whoever it is that I have beaten in the playoffs before I think beaten in the championship before I know I've beaten Steve I think I've beaten Connor I know I've faced him in the playoffs you I'm trying to remember if it was the championship I yeah remember. I think it yeah it was right the it was the yeah the McKissick miracle was uh when I when I beat Connor in the, yes. in the final so it would be a rematch if I could get there but uh look Austin's team maybe I've long considered him maybe the most well-rounded team in our league most of the season just between you know Travis Etienne Kyron Williams um just loaded James Connor's had his huge weeks as well James Connor yes luckily he's on bye this week I'm very thankful for that he's got Travis Kelsey and then his receivers I'm trying Two to remember it. I know there's uh there's Brandon Cooks there is Cortland Sutton and that's what I'm, I'm forgetting his wide receiver one right now Hold on, I've that's got wild because on paper like that going into the year you'd be like well we all like kind of not openly mocked his team at the draft this year but yeah. we were kind of like silent judging like he went etn like early second and then went james connor third and we're all just yeah. like okay and uh yeah but i mean hitting on Cortland sutton hitting on brandon cooks i mean those two guys are you know especially cooks in particular is Red hot after just being dormant for the first eight, nine weeks of the season. Bro, I will say, so I faced Austin last week, uh, or the week before last in the regular season, and when Brandon Cook scored his touchdown, I I don't think I've been that mad about something in fantasy in a while, because I was like... (laughs) This dude's just starting Brandon fucking Cooks over, like, he had Terry McLaurin on his team. He had, you know, just uh, some other viable option. I was like, Brandon Cooks, and he scores a touchdown. But credit to him for making that start. Brandon Cooks has been very good, and his team is good. I I really do think this will be anyone's matchup. I'm One thing I am happy about going into this, and look, knock on all the wood you can find right now, is that the Cowboys defense, which has largely propelled him to some massive weeks uh, in fantasy this year, has about as tough of a stretch as you can get. I mean, they've got the Eagles this week, and then the 
the Bills next week. And I know, you know, especially Josh Allen has been prone to turnovers at times, but at least they are facing relatively uh, prolific offenses. So not a uh, not as bad as it could be. I'm not dealing with the Cowboys defense against, you know, the Giants or the Commanders or something like that. So, guys, we will keep you updated on my playoff fate uh, throughout the playoffs. We'll keep you updated next week uh, with our two-week matchups of, you know, where the scores stand, and we will go from there. But, Pat... Man, this was a bloodbath. You mentioned it earlier uh, as far as injuries in the NFL and, you know, fantasy relevant injuries at that might be the worst single week for injuries that we've had this year as far as and, like and we said that moves a few you times we're like, this is yeah. the worst week we've seen in a while. And now it's like it's just one upping itself. It, I, yeah. I wonder if looking at the, you know, the statistics, if there's actually been more injuries this year, I bet you there's not. But I think it's probably just not. The, I think it's just the caliber of players that are going down with such not gr- like some gruesome, but such, you know, like notable bad injuries here. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is like as we are putting together this segment of just, you know, injuries and then the, the subsequent pickups that you'll want to make on your waiver wire, uh, it just I was almost shocked at how many relevant, like very relevant fantasy players we had oh, on yeah. this list. So we'll start going through and we'll go position by position because, yes, we had to organize by position. That's how many there were. We'll start at quarterback Tight Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the tight ends, I guess, are safe. The quarterback being the obvious one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has a right high ankle sprain. As you mentioned, Pat, Doug Peterson is not ruling him out just yet. And even Jeff Howe has reported that Lawrence is going to rehab around the clock to try and get ready for this week. This is encouraging in the sense that it certainly doesn't sound season-ending, and it sounds like there's at least a chance that Lawrence only misses one game. I do think it's probably a safe bet that he at least misses that game. The Jags really have no reason to try and push it and, uh, you know, get him out there if he's not 100%. Because, look, they are still in the driver's seat in their division. I mean, it's not by much, but they're still in the driver's seat. And if they can, uh, you know, get a fully healthy Trevor Lawrence back, if whether that's in two or three weeks, this is a team that is primed to make some noise in the playoffs, whatever level of noise that may be. So they have no reason to risk it. It's not like they're, you know, clinging to the, to some last hope for a playoff spot right now, and they need him well, out there as fast as possible. They're not clinging to a last hope for a playoff spot, but now they're only a game up on the Colts and the Texans, not just yeah. for the division, for a playoff spot. Sure. Jacksonville's sitting at 8-5. and five. The 7-4 and four t- Texans, I almost said Titans. You know, get, you're not worthy <laughs> of that, Titans. Um, the Texans are out on the outside looking in right now. So, I mean, granted, I think C.J. Beathard is actually one of the more solid backup quarterbacks. Like, I- I'm not really panicking in the same way as, like, kind of Jake Browning or God- goddamn Tommy DeVito. Browning looked great, though, I will Mitchell say. Or even Mitchell Trubisky in this coming week. I-, I feel there's a little less panic here, but obviously, like, it, it really does knock down... Well, in theory, it knocks down Jacksonville pass catchers, but as we'll talk about, they also had one of their probably their best wide receiver also go out for what seems to be the year. Sir, I'll go ahead and say certainly their best wide receiver. We'll talk about Christian Kirk in a few moments. But yeah, at the quarterback position, um, it is looking like it's going to be C.J. Beathard for at least a week. And I think you probably do downgrade. Beat hard. You probably do downgrade the other options. But look, he's been around for a few years. He at least knows the system. Um, What exactly that's going to translate to as far as fantasy success? Don't know. Look, this is one injury that you are certainly not rushing to pick the backup up and start. I mean, that's going to be the case for every quarterback injury because why would you go pick up the backup? But... You know, Pat, this next guy we're going to talk about, you could maybe somewhat make that argument if you were desperate. So Derek I would say Carr, out of our three options here, yes, this guy is yeah, certainly the most starter. Oh, certainly better than the other options. So 
you know, you keep C.J. Beathard by the wayside, but Derek Carr is hurt for the billionth time this year. Uh, he went out with an injury of, like, three different things. It was, like, shoulder, back, and possible concussion and all of these things. That man but, has died, like, three times this year on the field. Yeah, and yet it seems like, he, you know, he, even he still has a chance to be back out there this week. But we're going to, you know, make a guess here that it's going to be Jameis for at least a week, and the Jameis Winston experience is always one to behold. And it's one where... This may be a backup coming in and truthfully not being a downgrade from the starter. Derek Carr has not been very good. You inject Jameis into a starting lineup, and what you're injecting is a healthy dose of chaos, but a healthy dose of fantasy goodness as well, because for all that you could say about this guy, he's going to sling the ball. He's going to create scoring opportunities for his players. And not only that, he's going to create scoring opportunities for the defense he's playing as well. So <laughs> that is going to keep it, keep games close, keep them as basically shootouts. I feel like Jameis and shootout are kind of, you know, very tight. Um, you know, if you look up shootout in the dictionary, you will probably see Jameis's face next to it. And look, as far as quarterbacking, if you really are desperate, um, I, I Jameis is a dangerous start, but we have seen him put up absolutely massive numbers in the past, and he's still that same player. He still has pretty good players around him. Obviously, Michael Thomas is out of the picture, so we're really only dealing with, you know, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara, and then guys like A.T. Perry behind him, and Lynn Bowden Jr. played a lot this past week. Yeah, assuming Rashid Shaheed doesn't get healthy, those are the guys he'll be dealing with again, but still an okay crop of pass catchers. If you're desperate or if you're in a super flex league, I think Jameis is, if you're in a super flex league, Jameis is definitely on your radar. And if you're desperate, you could maybe make the argument to start him. Uh, but I think Jameis potentially starting is certainly bigger, a bigger deal for the players around him than it is for him. But yeah, yeah, you're at least thinking about it. If you're in like a must win and you need ceiling, you need as many points as you can. Jameis is definitely probably going to be your, one of your better options. And we even saw in that like one half he played a few weeks ago that Chris Olave ate. He yeah. turned Chris Olave like seven times. In a little over a quarter, but I mean, small sample size. But um, we'll, we'll see. But like, they're playing the Panthers too. The Panthers' run defense has been abysmal. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's probably trends more in favor of Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. Yeah, that's as true. much as I hate to bring that up, he had a nice week. He led the he led the team in rushing. And it's so funny, like saying like, "Oh, the tight end has a great running back matchup this week." Yeah. It's almost as if. <laughs> No, it's true. Taysom Hill has some wild numbers this year. Um, There was actually a stat that he has, I believe, averaged more points per game than Travis Kelsey over the last, what is it, Uh, since week eight. Taysom Hill has averaged 4.2 more fantasy points per game than Travis Kelsey. So says a lot about the Chiefs situation, but also says a lot about Taysom Hill, who, look, again, has just been a guy that if you've left him in your lineup for a lot of the year, you probably are not unhappy with what you've been getting because the Saints are just kind of not desperate for offense, but with Derek Carr at the helm, they're always trying to you know, do different things and, and insert guys as best they can. Taysom Hill's going to be part of that offense, and he'll still be part of it if Jameis is out there as well. It's just kind of how they've run their, their team this season and last season and basically since Taysom got to New Orleans, regardless of who their coach has been. So, yes, Taysom will be involved. Um, Jameis is a desperation play at quarterback. Pat, somebody who is not a desperation play at quarterback is Mitchell Trubisky, who is likely what? going to be leading the way for the Steelers this week against the New England Patriots. So Kenny Pickett is undergoing ankle surgery, not going on IR, but he is at least going to miss this week versus the Patriots and probably next week versus the Colts as well. Then we'll see where he's at. But Mitch Trubisky coming in, it, I mean, it's a downgrade for the Steelers receivers and all their players overall, obviously. What I could give you, if I could give you any advice, and, you know, this game is going to come up in, in, in the 
the rest of this podcast as well is if you can avoid the Steelers versus Patriots game, just do it. Like, don't have any investment in this fucking game if you could help it. Because, look, the Patriots just lost 6 nothing to the Los Angeles Chargers. They, the Patriots are just a, a vacuum for a black hole for fantasy production. They, much like the Broncos last year, like a completely inept offense, but a pretty somehow yeah, good defense solid. to match it. So it's just creating these wildly low point totals. Um, if you're starting anybody from this game, it should be the Steelers defense because they are going to be probably feasting on Bailey Zappi. Uh, I mean, if you want to get cute and start the Patriots defense, I don't think that's a terrible start either. But like... Those are the only things you should really be considering. This is this matchup was already going to be gross with Kenny Pickett leading the way. It's going to be extra gross now that we are headed for Thursday night Trubisky versus Zappy. Pat, do you, do you do you have your popcorn ready? Because this is going to be a there hell may of a not show. Be a single viewer of that game. <sighs> Amazon is going to ask for and their Al money back. Michaels is going to pass away mid game. <laughs> that is my bold prediction. Al, Al Michaels. I feel like he would only pass away if there was actual excitement. Al Michaels, this is just giving him even more of an excuse to fall asleep because he could make Al Michaels could make you remember that Rams Chiefs game from years ago where it was like 90 total points were scored. He could make that game boring at this point in his career. Yeah. This game, I mean, he may speak a total oh, of 13 words. Like I he's going to he, he's just going to want to catch the first train out of there if he can help it. And it's it. funny because um, I think I think Kirk Herbstreit's done a really good job on that broadcast. I think he stepped mm-hmm. into the NFL world really well. But how how Michael just seems disinterested. He seems bored. I mean, the dude's over 80 years old like there's no shame in hanging up. This dude's a legend. This yeah. dude called the fucking miracle on ice. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's Don't no get shame me wrong. in hanging like, it up, my guy. Yeah, he is absolutely a legend, but he has certainly lost the fastball. It's probably that this game is not going to help his uh, his excitement for the game if it is slowly waning as it as it sounds like it is on a week to week basis. Uh, Pat, we'll move on to the running backs as far as our little injury report is uh, is concerned, and we are staying with the Patriots Steelers game. You know, sorry to say, Ramondre Stevenson has a high ankle sprain. He is set to miss a few weeks, and it is bringing up, you know, plenty of valid questions. Is he even going to play again this year? There is a chance he is shut down, which brings into play our old pal Ezekiel Elliott, which you have rightfully noted. You've rightfully noted in this economy, we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, we sure are. Look, this offense is terrible, but Zeke is going to be plenty involved. The next backs behind him are Ty Montgomery and. Uh, uh, Michael Hasty, who's probably going to be Harris? active this week. Is he still there? Um, Kevin Harris, I don't believe, is there unless he's on the practice squad. Look, Zeke is, especially this week against a good Steelers defense, um, a, fle- a flex and pray type of play. But yep. he is a guy that should at least be rostered. Like, if he's on your waiver wire, go get him. Because like we said, Ramondre could be done for the year. And starting running backs are not easy to come by, especially this late in the season. Yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're just hoping for a touchdown at best. But the Patriots offense has given you nothing to believe in to be in position yeah. for him to even get those touchdowns. So it, it's yeah, gross, I, but like you sad. said, starting running back at the very least, make sure your opponent can't get him. Yeah, he's a, he's a valuable enough asset for that reason, but man, it is not a, a not a sexy one, and it's not going to feel good putting him in your lineup unless you've had somehow a worse option in there up to this point, which... If you have, I can't imagine you're making meaningful moves in fantasy right now because you're probably not in your playoffs. Anyway, moving on to Brian Robinson. He has a hamstring injury. Now, the key here, obviously, Pat, is the commanders are, in fact, on bye this week, so you are not relying on any commanders in your lineup. But 
picking up the backup, you know, if this is a hamstring injury that lingers into the next couple of weeks is certainly an advisable move. We are looking at Antonio Gibson here, who Ew. is also just not, you know, super good, not exciting. Look, he's, he's a little bit younger than Ezekiel Elliott, but still about as uh, uninspiring of play as, as Zeke has had. You know, I don't want to insult Zeke too much. He's had some bursts of energy in an otherwise just dreadful offense the, this the year, but we've also lowered Antonio, our bar on Zeke lately. Yeah, the so. one thing about Antonio Gibson is that he has the, the pass-catching upside. Not to say that sure. he's going to do it, but, like, he's been getting, you know, I think this past week he had four catches, you know, which is, yes. I think he ran, like, he had, like, 15 for 40, like, something not good. But mm-hmm. I think he had, like, three or four catches. So, if anything in a PPR league, it's it's similar a prayer. Well, not this coming week, but if he is the guy next week, I feel like we're in a similar prayer position. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, maybe looking a little bit deeper, you could add Chris Rodriguez as a speculative play. Um, you know, there's a chance that if, if Brian Robinson is out, that he does outperform Antonio Gibson because of Gibson's struggles this year. Um, obviously, you know, banking on the younger player, there is a chance that maybe, maybe he's a hidden gem. Who knows? Curtis so Samuel. I... Yeah, Curtis Samuel is also a good option, honestly. Um, probably he, they they should just start him at running back if Brian Robinson's out. I mean, God, they. What's funny? You, Antonio, mentioned, you mentioned Terry McLaurin earlier, and the only thing scary about him is his fantasy output. Like, I think this year is finally you know cemented that this guy is just not a great fantasy football player. He's a great yeah. talent, and everyone wants him to be something every year. And outside of like his rookie year, even he's had his moments. But like, this was a guy going into the season that I had zero interest in, and. This is one of my more correct one of my more correct assessments. Yeah, it's hard. I don't really know what to make of Terry McLaurin because Sam Howell has thrown for so many yards this year that it's like, how is Terry McLaurin not more involved on a weekly basis? And is this a fault of Terry McLaurin? Is it a fault of just the the way they've chosen to game plan and you know Eric Bieniemy's offense in Washington? I don't know what it is, but at this point, it's like. Look, we, we were able to make this excuse for DJ Moore for so long, right? And it turns out it was actually kind of a valid excuse. He's putting up really good numbers now with Justin Fields, who himself is not even a great passer, but still one of the better ones, maybe the best one that DJ has played with. Um, you can't really make that excuse with Sam Howell under center. Like, he may not be a great player either, but, man, he still airs it out. And it's I saw somebody call him white Jameis Winston, and I was like, that's not totally inaccurate either. Um, and if you're not putting up numbers as a receiver with him under center, I don't know what kind of – do you need the perfect quarterback? for you to be able to put up fantasy numbers like there's only a handful of truly elite guys in the league and the odds that you're going to end up on a team with one of them is 20 percent, maybe if that like I don't I don't know the Terry McLaurin experiment is definitely uh going poorly he mentioned this week how he ran a lot of cardio and I was like yeah seems like you've been doing that for a lot of the season unfortunately um all right Pat we will move on here to another injury with Derek Henry so this one actually seems like a false alarm uh initially we were led to believe he was in the concussion protocol Mike Vrabel sent telling us that he is not not in the concussion protocol. So look, if th- if anything were to change, Ty J Spears is absolutely a number one waiver priority if he is on your waiver wire because he will be the focal point of that run game. But it seems like Derrick Henry's probably going to be fine if he's not in the protocol. And so he will be in line to face the Miami Dolphins. Everyone can uh, relax here as they, if you are relying on Derrick Henry at this stage of the season, he actually has some decent matchups here coming up and uh, could potentially be one of the league winners that we mentioned in our upcoming league winner segment. So stay tuned for that. Just, just a little, a little tease as we like to call it there in the business. But Moving on now Good to work. our wide, uh, moving on to our wide receiver. 
Uh, we'll start with Tank Dell, Pat. Uh, we already mentioned it, but we didn't really mention a potential pivot move. First things first, Noah Brown seems to be the direct beneficiary in terms of playing time. He played 81% of snaps. Um, Tank Dell going out pretty early in that game gave us a, a good look of what the potential yeah. playing time might look like going forward. And it looks like, look, Nico Collins is going to be the number one, right? Then you've got Noah Brown. And then after that, it's going to be some combination of Robert Woods, John Mechie, whoever the fuck else you want to throw Brevin in there. Brevin Jordan, um, who's like Brevin Jordan, tight end at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he is... It's going to be interesting when Dalton Schultz gets healthy, and we'll talk about Brevin in, in a few minutes, but are they going to run more two tight end sets now to make up for the tank Dell loss? Because they don't have a player that's going to one-for-one one replace Dell in terms of his skill set. Like Noah Brown will replace him in terms of the playing time, most likely, which puts yep. him back on the radar. But he's not the same type of player that tank Dell is, not even close, uh, just not even not even slighting him in terms of his skill level, but just his skill set. Like they're different types of players. So Noah Brown is certainly a good speculative ad. Uh, but Pat, just to just to give Tank Dell his flowers here. I mean, you you posed a very valid question here. There was a lot of hype with this rookie wide receiver class. I mean, you had Jordan Addison, JSN, Quentin Johnston. God, sorry, Quentin Johnston. Um, Zay Flowers and Tank Dell may have very well emerged as the best one of the bunch. It sucks uh, to see him go down think like he this. Has been the best one this year. Yeah, I mean, you watch him play, and it's like, I don't want to say it's reminiscent of, like, prime Antonio Brown, but it's like you see this small guy just dominating in a way that you feel like shouldn't be possible, which, again, furthers our our, our thinking that, you know, small receivers are in a better position than ever to succeed just because defenders can't really touch the receivers much anymore. But it's just he is he is on, like, even another level than just being a small guy that produces. He is a small guy that is, that is the absolute focal point of that offense and has just reached heights that I did not think he would reach this year such even a if he good doesn't have a with CJ Stroud. God, I like you could like do a yeah. drinking game if you you know, you'd be drunk and dead if you were playing a drinking game every time I mentioned how CJ Stroud specifically wanted Tank Dell. Yeah. And it showed, you know, as a deep threat, even at the beginning of the year when he wasn't getting the snap share you wanted, he was still catching these deep bombs. Like he was everything you wanted and then he gets fully incorporated and then just to go down like this just sucks, but he, him and CJ Stroud are a duo that we are going to be talking about for a long time. Oh man, I thought it was a duo that was going to lead me to fantasy glory. Now we are, uh, we're going to have to shift that to be CJ and Nico, so hopefully they can uh, they can keep that pace. But yeah, it sucks to see Tank Dell go down, and uh, you just hope that he can get healthy and ready for next year, because that connection is absolutely lethal. Pat, we've got Amari Cooper. Uh, he is in the concussion protocol. There is no debating that, and there are a couple guys that could be potentially lined up to benefit from this. So look, we've got Joe Flacco under center for the Browns, at least as of right now. They have not named a starter for this upcoming week. It could be Flacco. It could be DTR. But Flack, or Flacco, one thing with him is he will air the ball out. And he did so. And this led to Elijah Moore having a pretty nice day. Remember, these two were together in New York. And those were some of Elijah Moore's best games of his career. So Elijah Moore had four catches for 83 yards on 12 targets. I mean, look, four catches on 12 targets is not great. But the yardage... That's what you want to see. And then Cedric Tillman played 93% of snaps. So if yeah, Amari Cooper as well. Yeah, if Amari Cooper were to miss this week, um, I think both these guys are on the menu to some degree. Look, Moore is definitely the priority, uh, but he's also slightly less available in leagues than a guy like Cedric Tillman is. I don't think Cedric Tillman's a terrible start if you really are looking for a flex if Amari Cooper were to were to miss this game and if Joe Flacco were to start. Yeah, I mean, I guess David and Joku as well could. You know, he, he another guy that's just not lived up to expectation. Obviously, he had that yeah. horrible injury. But, yeah, if I've got to start a Cleveland 
almost any Cleveland player, I'd probably say Elijah Moore. Yeah, I mean, look, we've been waiting for this kind of production for Elijah Moore for a while, and it's, he's kind of still starting to look like one of those players that we're going to be chasing the dragon until we just finally decide to stop. Um, but look, if we can get these these one-off games uh, because of Joe Flacco, we'll take them. Uh, I think if Amari Cooper misses, you can absolutely put Elijah Moore in your lineup, probably with some degree of confidence as well. And as far as Cedric Tillman goes, look, Pat, I'll be honest, I'm thinking about Cedric Tillman right now as, as somebody who lost Tank Dell. Um I'm not necessarily thrilled about my next up option being Calvin Ridley on a CJ Bethard led offense. I was already iffy about Ugh. Calvin Ridley on a Trevor Lawrence led offense. And so if those circumstances were to break where Flacco starts and Amari Cooper misses, I may take that dart throw on Cedric Tillman. He's a highly touted prospect coming out of, I believe it was Tennessee. Sorry, I'm not a huge college football guy, but I believe it was Tennessee. And um, just a, a, as good of a bet almost as Calvin Ridley at this point. Like Calvin Ridley is not a guy that you are relying on like on a week to week basis confidently. Like, you know, he's just as likely to put up a dud as anything. So I just, I I might roll the dice. It's a similar dark throw with how low Ridley's floor is. Obviously we've just seen the ceiling with Tillman. Mm -hmm. We're basically chasing the ceiling, but at the end of the day, it's still Joe Flacco. Like if I, if I were you, I mean, I mean, I think Tillman's a great pickup. But I personally would not start him over Calvin Ridley, even with C.J. Beathard, even without Amari Cooper, even in the circumstances you said. I think I would still go with the devil I know versus the devil (laughs) I don't know in that situation. I'm almost like chasing the ceiling that I like haven't necessarily. Look, Tillman had two catches for 20 yards this week, right? But it's the 93. It's the 93 percent of snaps that's making me kind of raise an eyebrow a little bit. I just look at it almost as. You're taking the two quarterbacks that and comparing them like CJ Beathard and Joe Flacco. Like Flacco's probably worse, but like he's gonna sling it more than CJ Beathard, at least more than I expect him to, uh, in relief of Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know. I've got some decisions to make. I'm between not just Tillman and Ridley, but some other options as well, which we may talk about later. But I I don't know. Tillman's on my radar at the very least, and he should be on yours too if you have an open flex spot or in a deeper league where you can start several wide receivers because that was a surprising snap percentage, at least to me, that he was on the field that much after Amari Cooper went down. All right, Christian Watson. Now, he just had a massive game. It seemed like he was going to be in line to end the season on a very high note. And then he goes down with what looked like a very painful hamstring injury. Now, the reports coming out were that he was moving around a little bit better today and after the game. But when he went down, it looked like he tore the thing like clean off the bone. Like He looked like he was in a lot of pain. So it was very concerning for Christian Watson managers. And we don't know what exactly his status is going to be going forward. Again, they were a little more optimistic after the game. But we have to start thinking about potential pivot options if we have Christian Watson. Or just looking at the guys who could stand to benefit if you're looking for any other wide receiver. Yeah. And I think those options certainly. Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks. Look, Jaden Reed is more of a guy who is, his playing time will probably be relatively unaffected by Christian Watson. He's a guy who makes his living in the slot. I think Dontavian Wicks is more a beneficiary in terms of how much more he'll be on the field if Christian Watson were to miss time. Um, This is all just to get a piece of a suddenly lethal (laughs) Packers passing attack led by Jordan Love, who has come on and looked, you know, every bit of what Packers fans hoped he would be. It looks like that quarterback draft class that had him and, you know, Herber and Tua and Hertz and these guys that have been in the league for so long now, um, it looks like Jordan Love may actually be in line with that group or at least not stick out like a completely sore thumb. So look, if you are going to continue to believe that this trajectory will 
go this way for Jordan Love, which I'm inclined to believe it will. There are going to be multiple pass catchers that he will make viable in fantasy football, one of them potentially being Dontavian Wicks. Um, Obviously, you know, Romeo Dobbs is going to be the most confident player that you can start from this passing game if Christian Watson goes down. Definitely the highest touchdown upside. He was he was already arguably the most confident player you would start. He was leading this team in receiving touchdowns. So, uh, you know, understand that. But as far as guys who are available, Wicks, maybe Reed, and uh, just keep those guys on your radar, especially Wicks, because I don't think anybody was really thinking about it. Yeah. People really aren't still aren't thinking about him, to be honest. Yeah, so. it just really sucks. I mean, I think we'll talk about Love a little later, and I think we would have talked about Watson as well in that same segment. They were finally clicking the way people hoped, and obviously he's touchdown dependent. You know, he's got, like, what, four touchdowns in the last three games, I believe. But, like, as long as you're making money, you're making money. Who cares how you're doing yeah. it? And the Packers look great. They've looked they've looked really good the last few weeks. They've beaten good teams. So, um, they've yeah, they've gone toe-to-toe with Detroit and Kansas City and just straight out outplayed them. So, it's, it's the thing is, like, the offense is moving. So, someone's going to have to do something. The question is just who is. I mean, maybe even Aaron Jones if he comes back. Could 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 um could benefit from this? Yeah, absolutely. the The Packers look to be on a collision course with the playoffs, which uh, did I, I would not have guessed would be the case a month ago. A hell of a come up for them. So keep an eye on their receivers if Christian Watson were to miss time, and if he doesn't miss time, get Christian Watson back in your starting lineups because I'm sure a lot of you have benched him after the uh, you know just kind of the rough several week stretch that he put together for honestly most of the season uh pat another christian that got hurt and this was in last night's game christian kirk hurt himself very early in that game groin his first catch uh yeah uh, so actually i had it i had it initially i think it was it was the first play that they ran at the at least the jaguars Uh, yes yeah, so I had it marked. I have it marked as groin injury. It sure looked like he just ripped his balls in half, to be honest. Uh, but he is undergoing core muscle surgery. Seems like his season is probably over. You know, outside chance for an AFC title game or Super Bowl return, but out for our purposes certainly in it, for fantasy football. And he also went down early. Got a good look at what the snaps might look like. Obviously, they have a week now to. Um, adjust for his loss, and maybe they'll come at this in a different way. But this is how it played out after he left the game. Zay Jones played 93% of the snaps. Calvin Ridley, 86%. Parker Washington played 59%, and then Tim Jones played 25%. So that's how the playing time lines up. Look, these guys are going to, at least for now, be playing with C.J. Beathard probably for a week or so. But considering Trevor Lawrence's injury is not as major as we thought, you got to think about what this offense could be. Um, when he's back under center and which receivers will stand to benefit with Kirk out for the rest of the regular season, it's definitely Zay Jones. I mean, off the top, Zay Jones has shown productivity in the past. I believe he led them in receiving last night as well. I know he was up over 70 yards. So this is, he's going to be the main, uh, beneficiary. I'm sorry, Evan Ingram led them, but as far as receivers, I was about to say he's been, he's been rock solid. Yeah, Evan Ingram led them with 82 yards. Zay Jones tops among receivers with 78, and then Parker Washington with 61. Look, Parker Washington's an interesting player as well, um, but I think you start to get a little too far down the pecking order there. It, that Starting Parker Washington would be the equivalent of like if you start Zay Jones while both Ridley and Kirk are healthy, so you're probably not going to do that. But yeah. if you want to pick up Zay Jones, um, I could absolutely see him being a viable you know flex play, flex play. Or if he puts together one of his little hot streaks, which we've seen before, like he could put up wide receiver two production when Trevor's back. That would shock me in the least um i think zay jones now knowing that trevor's injury is not quite as severe as we thought is somewhat of a priority add at least if you're planning to you know be in your playoff for a little bit if you've got the spot go and get him yeah and let's see pat what else do we have well i guess that'll do it for our injured players so look 
obviously we gave you guys a lot of players that could potentially help you because of some injuries that we saw this past week. But there are some non-injury related pickups too. I know they're they, they're fewer and further between, but we try to we try to dig for you guys and catch some guys who are just on the ascent, regardless of the players that have, that are getting hurt around them. Number one, Pat, is Jonathan Mingo. I mean, I don't know if this is just because of the entire coaching staff getting wiped away, basically, but the new look and new you know leadership Panthers are certainly focusing on Jonathan Mingo. He is playing the most snaps among wide receivers. Adam Thielen has effectively been turned to dust. Mingo had 10 targets this past week, and I understand if you don't want to invest in any Panthers because, God, that offense is still just abysmal. But if you're going to invest in any and if you're honestly desperate for a flex, uh, Jonathan Mingo at least in PPR leagues, maybe is is on the radar. I mean, Pat, it's another guy that like I'm I'm sort of thinking about instead of Calvin Ridley. Oh, maybe this God. is just my ven my vendetta against Calvin Ridley at this point. But Mingo's a guy. Look, I, here's my thing, right? Mingo, I think, may have a little more bankable volume in terms of receptions. It's just a matter of if they actually turn into yards and dude you know, could he, have eight catches for twenty two yards and uh, you're playing in a yeah. non PPR league and you're pissed. Yeah, I mean, let, let me let me pull up here really quick what Mingo did this week and the week before. Um, so Mingo this week went for six catches for 69 yards, and last week four catches for 60 yards. Nice. 16, to- shut up, 16 total targets over the past two weeks. Um, you know, that's pretty good. And here, the honestly, Pat, I think I'd be more willing to start him this week if he didn't have a tough matchup in New Orleans, which he does. The Saints yep. have been very good against the pass this year. But this is still a guy that, you know, Look, some rookies start hot and some rookies need to adapt and kind of earn more of their role over time. He's absolutely earning his role. This is a guy that I remember I drafted in our uh, like rookie fantasy relevant rookie draft that we did basically shortly after the NFL draft because I was like, look, he's going to be Bryce Young's number one receiver, right? Little did I know Adam Thielen was going to go nuclear for two months, but now we've kind of reached the point. This this is what I envisioned when I was hyped up for Jonathan Mingo. So it would be silly not to at least put him on your bench and see how things go because if he's going to keep get he's going to keep averaging averaging eight targets a game over the next you know rest of the season then that's going to be a guy you want on your bench yeah you you know like you said I think the biggest concern is just what kind of production is he going to get with those but at least he's getting the opportunities obviously more opportunities lead to more production most of the time so but the guy honestly a guy I think in a similar boat is bad team uh rookie getting some more looks Xavier Gibson here on yep. Gibson, Gibson with a P, excuse me. Gibson. Um, the Jets here, we, we heard a few weeks ago that Robert Sala said like, um, you know, hey, we're going to get Xavier Gibson some more looks. We're going to give, oh God, I'm going to butcher his last name, Israel Abanaconda. Israel Abanaconda. Yeah, you got Abana- it. There you go. Oh, I fucking nailed that. Like, you know, he said that they were going to get them more looks and he's been true to it. G- Gibson had, you know, five for 77, you know, whether it's Tim Boyle, whether it's Trevor Simeon, I mean, if it's one of those guys, you'd think it's great because... You know, they're running with Gibson on the second-team offense all year in practice. Mm. Uh, if it turns back to Zach Wilson, I'm not really as um, not really as confident about that. But then, but I feel like with Gibson, you're still looking at the number two target in still a very bad offense. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. you're still looking at Garrett Wilson over him. Uh, T- Tyler Conklin has been really mid, but, like, he, he's right in that same range as him. It's not like... It's not going to be like the sexiest pickup, but if you're really desperate and you have an extra, or even if you just have an extra bench spot, you kind of want to take a flyer. I think Gibbs is as good of a flyer as this kind of tier that we're listing here. Yeah, I mean, 71% of snaps this past week, and uh, just a guy who... Pat, Xavier Gibson feels feels like, and this is purely a, a vibes comparison, all right? Feels like Isaiah Hodgins from last year, where it's like, 
he'll he may keep putting up these good numbers and I keep ignoring him until I can't ignore him anymore. And it's like, I understand the Giants this time last year, you know, they were pushing for a playoff spot. They ended up making the playoffs, obviously. So they were actually a decent team on top of it. But Gibson just feels like a guy, it could be, you know, some kind of diamond in the rough going on here. Like it, it's a guy that I'm definitely interested in throwing on my bench and seeing what happens. And maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start him over Calvin Ridley. And knows what, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a consideration at the very least when these guys You're pop up out of Mike nowhere. Sims Walker over Calvin Ridley. <laughs> I, I would, if I could, when these guys pop up out of nowhere, um, you got to pay attention. And that's what Xavier Gibson's been doing. They, they've told Alan Lazard to fuck off basically. And, uh, look, you brought up who's going to be under center for the jets. I think that is probably the biggest question. Um, look, they just signed Brett Rippon, so it might be Brett Rippon, which is also disgusting. Uh, so, you know, let's maybe see how this quarterback situation plays out. But Xavier Gibson coming off of a, you know, five-catch, 77-yard day, and he actually had a carry in that game as well, so maybe they're using him in different ways. Um, coming off that performance, it's worth seeing what he can do now. Um, this was the most targets he had in any game, six targets. You know, prior to this, his, his previous season high was three, so could be an ascending player. Definitely somebody I am going to keep my eye on. Pat, we mentioned this guy before, Brevin Jordan. If you need a tight end, I think he's a priority add with, with uh, Tank Dell out for the season. Now, yes, I know Dalton Schultz coming back will make this a problem if and if and when I mean I guess it's when that does happen but don't forget Brevin Jordan ate into Dalton Schultz work before Schultz got hurt that was Brevin Jordan's first game of the year he was taking a lot of snaps from Dalton Schultz and basically made Schultz unusable so between that and the fact that the Texans like I said may use more two tight end sets to compensate for this tank Dell injury that's pure speculation but it's something that I would totally understand if they wanted to do Brevin Jordan is a guy that Look, he's catching passes from C.J. Stroud. And at this point, anybody catching passes from C.J. Stroud should be on your radar. The man is leading the league in passing yards. He's showing no sign of stopping down, of slowing down. And his rest of season schedule is fairly favorable. So Brevin Jordan, if you're tight end needy, um, go get him. I would I would love to start him, but I have a good tight end. So <laughs> I yeah. would love to complete more of the Texans stack. And, but I'm and not just another potential tight end ad, I, I bring this up because it's going to hurt you and me probably, Dawson Knox. You know, I don't know necessarily more so that his viability, but more so what that's going to do to Dalton Kincaid. Because, like, yeah, I feel like Kincaid is still going to get the target share that he's commanded with Knox out. But the question just becomes, you know, the, the, the touchdown upside. Because that's all yeah. Dawson Knox does at this point in his career. Yeah. You talk because I need to go choke. <laughs> yeah. Pat is uh, still recovering from his surgery there. Yeah. No, you're totally right about Dawson Knox. Um it makes me very worried as a Dalton Kincaid owner outside of like, you know, PPR leagues. I think Dal or Dalton Kincaid is going to be just fine, but yeah. he is going to not score any touchdowns really once Knox come back. I'm worried unless it's like a big play that he breaks off, right? Because this is just – that's what they're going to do with Dawson Knox. As much as we just want him to go away, he's not going to completely go away, and that makes me very sad. Uh, Pat, one more non-injury related pickup here is Chase Brown. So the Bengals did say during the week that they wanted to get Chase Brown more involved, the rookie running back from Syracuse on the Cincinnati Bengals. If those of you are unfamiliar, uh, wait, Syracuse, was it Syracuse or am I thinking of, I think it's Syracuse. Pardon me one second. Um, I always used to mix up Chase Brown with Jerome Ford a couple of years ago when they came into the league together. 
No, sorry. You know what? I said Syracuse. It is Illinois. I knew I was mixing it up with. You're just uh, going with Tommy DeVito on him. I was no. You know what? I was thinking orange, and I was like, yeah. he wore orange in college, orange and blue. I actually think Pat that I've thought Chase Brown went to Syracuse this whole time until right now, and that this wasn't just like a slip because I've seen pictures of him in college. It's always the orange and the blue, <laughs> and I'm just like, as a UConn guy, it's me fucking hating Syracuse is always top of mind. But no, Chase Brown. Sorry, rookie from Illinois. Um, definitely got more mixed in here. Um, at the expense of Joe Mixon, you like that? You, you like you know, he's getting he's getting a little more mixed in at the expense of. Joe. I'm, I'm going back to okay. the hospital. <laughs> I've put Pat back in the hospital bed with that joke. But Chase Brown stat line: look, nine carries for 61 yards. Um, that's something that you got to look at because his previous season high Pat was one carry. So this is not a guy that you're going to confidently put in your lineup by any stretch of the imagination just yet. But it is a guy that has at least shown you something now. And if something were to happen to Joe Mixon, then who knows? And maybe it becomes, maybe it's a two-headed backfield, Pat. Maybe Jake Browning supports an offense strong enough that can support two running backs in fantasy football. What do we feel about that? But no, probably not. Either <laughs> he way. had a rushing touchdown the other uh, He did. Well, he, he? Jake yeah. Browning had a QB sneak uh, rushing touchdown. Let me, one thing that I did find interesting about the Bengals snap counts, though, was uh, I don't believe Chase Brown had a very high snap count despite the increase. Yeah. So Chase Brown still only played 15% of the snaps. I think he just touched the ball on basically all of them. He had 11 snaps that he played and he had nine carries. So Chase Brown, when he's on the field, he's probably getting the ball. That's, that's my tip for you uh, defensive coordinators out there that I know are listening to the pod. Just uh, that's a little hint for you. Go send everybody at Chase Brown if he's on the field. Uh, But yeah, speculative fantasy ad, just definitely somebody that's interesting to, uh, you know, kind of pop up here late in the season as another rookie that's just earning more playing time. Pat, those guys, you know, calling them league winners would probably be a stretch, right? Like these are speculative ads, but there are plenty of guys who are going to be league winners here down the stretch. Now you can define league winner in a lot of different ways. I mentioned last week that it's kind of an overused term, but Pat, I think we, for the sake of this segment and the sake of this draft that you and I are about to do, are defining it as basically, basically just guys that we think are probably going to pop off or have a good chance to pop off here as we, you know, come down the pipe here at the end yeah. of the fantasy season and in the fantasy playoffs. And, and I mean, like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not saying Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying Tyreek Hill. Like, mm-hmm. these are guys who are obviously on the radar, but like, not quite on the radar. Like, thinking of some guy, like Tony Pollard, for example, was a league winner last year. Mm-hmm. Like, Rashad White was probably on a lot of winning teams last year. The year before that was the... Might even like the I'm on Ross St. Brown in his rookie year, mm-hmm. again very reminiscent. A guy who you know could be serviceable, even better than serviceable. That um, that really um, you know that really kind of you know sticks out. But yeah, I went back in the archives because it's been a while since we've done a draft, mm-hmm. and I believe the last one we did was our rookie redraft, and you picked uh-huh. first. Uh huh. So I will lead us off here. <laughs> well, let's see. Let me get my yes. Let me get my notes up. I had a lot of time to do nothing today in the... <laughs> All right, let's see. Just want to make sure I don't sound like an idiot. I'm going to go with a guy that's very near and dear to my heart here. He has the fourth best strength of schedule at his position. I think the thing that people have been worrying about him all year is, is you know, the volume. Is he going to get the volume? So my first pick in the league winner draft is Isaiah Pacheco. Okay. In the last three weeks... Uh, he's got three straight games with 15-plus touches. He's got three touchdowns, and he's also caught the ball. He's got three targets, as well, plus targets in the last three games as well, obviously without Jarek McKinnon. But the good schedule, and, you know, I feel like it's at the point where, like, 
I feel like even when McKinnon comes back, Pacheco will probably still get some more passing volume than he did prior to it. But like CEH is not a threat. Like, and this guy just, I love watching this guy play. Everyone like says, Oh, you're so angry and all this, but he has gotten better and better as the year has gone on. The dude just runs powerful. The dude runs angry and he's quick. Yeah. And, um, I wish I was made the playoffs because I was hoping that he could have been possibly the league winner to carry me to a championship. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Pacheco is a guy that, you know, honestly, Pat, I kind of talked myself almost out of him um, in the pre-draft process, like pre-fantasy draft process, because I remember at the end of last season being like, I want this guy on my team next year. And I was, I was like, am, am I really looking into him enough? Like, do I have a correct evaluation on him as a player or do I just think he's cool because he runs angry? And I kind of settled on, I think I just think he's cool because he runs angry and how much value is a Chiefs running back really going to have throughout the course of a season? And, you know, what about Jarek McKinnon when he signed back, which he did? Uh, turns out, look, Jarek McKinnon's not much of a factor and the Chiefs receivers are worse than they've ever been. So they are leaning on Pacheco. Yeah, I think plenty. that's why they've been able to do yeah. what they've done with him. Yeah, but he's warranted so, yeah. it though too. It's not like oh sure, you know the guy. The guys earned it, and I, like I said, I really only picked him out of necessity. He was like the last full time starting running back mm-hmm. that like wasn't in some kind of a timeshare that was left. Yeah. So that was really the only reason why I picked him, and I'm damn glad I did. And I wish I had him in more leagues. I was in the playoffs. Yeah, um, Pat. If we're going off guys who are, you know, primed to maybe pop off here over the last couple of weeks of the season and lead you to a championship, I'm going with a guy who has just resurfaced in the fantasy community after several weeks of dormance. Dormance? Dormancy? I don't know. He was dormant like a volcano. And it is somebody that we've talked about a lot on the show. I'm going with Devon Achan. He finally put together yep. another very nice week. Uh, look, his first game back, it did not result in anything after the injury after coming off IR but this week against the commanders he was back 17 carries for 73 yards and two rushing touchdowns and I feel like this really only scratches the surface of what he's capable of as soon as the Dolphins fully trust him which it seems like they do with the 17 carries um you know they're they're gonna unleash him and I think there's more 100 yard games in his future he's just such He's such an electric player, and on this on this Dolphins offense, it's like you have to pay attention to so many guys. Like I remember watching a play this past weekend where Raheem Mostert scored a touchdown, and it was just you watch the defense, you can feel them staring at Tyreek Hill, like worried about what he's doing because they're sending him in motion across the formation. And it's like it's just easy money for Raheem Mostert to find the end zone. And I think you know Achan's going to find those types of plays, and he's going to find plenty of plays that he just breaks wide open himself. Um, I was a little worried for a spell that Devon Achan just might not be a huge factor for the rest of this season because you know he got hurt and then got re-hurt. Uh, but it seems like we may get you know full speed Devon Achan for as, as long as his body can handle it for the rest of this fantasy season. And if you've got him, you're feeling good about it. Yeah, that that was probably going to be my next pick there. He looked, you know, the fact that he's getting goal line carries with Raheem Mostert still in play. And, I mean, I still think Raheem Mostert will be, like, a borderline playable guy um, in most yeah. situations. But, yeah, I think A-Chan is going to run away with that backfield. This is tough here because, you know, you want to be bold. You want to be kind of bold when you make some of these picks. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy we talked about, and I don't think it's the guy that you're going to expect from the team I'm going to say, but I'm going to go Noah Brown here. Okay. Before the injury, Noah Brown had two really good games. He had six for 153 in a touchdown and seven for 172. Obviously, you know, did not see, I don't believe he had a target 
or he, he didn't have a catch last week, I don't believe, in his return, but I don't think he was on the field very much. Mm-hmm. But without Tank Dell, because that's what it was, that was what allowed Tank Dell to emerge was the fact that Noah Brown um, was hurt a little bit earlier in the year, and then once again, that's what, how Dell has really come into his own. I think without Dell there, I think Brown's going to be on the field for a lot of plays. And as much as we love Nico Collins, who I am still considering picking in this situation, uh, so a lot of the times he does what he does on lower volume. I think I think mm-hmm. um, I think Brown is going to be a little better in the volume department, and you know if he can also get some of those big plays that Dell was getting, then that that's a bit more of a deep cut. And this is a guy that's probably available in, in a decent amount of leagues. Not ours, of course. <laughs> Never available. That is ours. someone you I should wanted... start over Calvin Ridley for sure. <laughs> I know, I know. I wanted him to be available so bad so that I could start him over Calvin Ridley, but sadly. That is not the case. Um, yeah, I think that's a great pick. I was and still am considering picking Nico Collins here. But honestly, Pat, Nico Collins, I feel like, is going to continue doing a lot of the same stuff he's done all season. Nico Collins has quietly been having a really, really good season. Um, yep. pe- people are going to look at what he did this week after Tank Dell went out and be like, oh, you know, he's going to reach this new level. And he might. But Nico Collins had 191 receiving yards. I think all other Texans receivers combined had like less than 20. Like that just reasonably is not going to happen on a week-to-week basis. So I love Nico. This maybe raises his floor a little bit for the rest of the season. But I definitely think you're right in terms of Noah Brown being more of a a league winner profiler type of player. Because Nico's been in your lineup, right? Like he's been that guy. And I don't think the production is going to change crazy a crazy amount with tank out noah brown though his production is more or less dependent on whether one of you know nico or tank is out of the lineup so i like that pick for sure pat my next pick is going to be a guy that i'm not like i'm not a hundred percent sure that he's going to break out and be a league winner but he's a guy that i could feel it sort of in my gut based on how things are going i'm going to take another kansas city chief off the board here and it's going to be rasheed rice because Mm -hmm. i think the chiefs the longer we go through this season you know, the Chiefs are, are really struggling. They just lost to the Green Bay Packers. It's like they are going to realize that they have one good receiver on this football team, not counting Travis Kelsey, obviously not a receiver. One good receiver on this football team, and it's Rasheed Rice. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is bad. Justin Watson is bad. Miko Hardman is not playing. Like, this is the only guy, and I think they're just going to keep working him in more and more. And it's they're getting to a point now with their record where it's like, Look, they're, they're probably not at risk of losing the division, although if the Broncos had managed to knock off the Texans, we might be having a different conversation. Uh, they'd only be a game out of first place, but they're not at risk of losing the division, but they are certainly at risk of not getting the number one seed, which I'm sure that they would love to have. So there's a certain point that's going to come where they need to stop dicking around, and I think this is a smart franchise. They need to understand who their best players are and give them the ball more, and I just think that's going to benefit Rasheed Rice as we get down the stretch here. Yeah, we, t- we tend to see Andy redo that. He did that a little bit with Sky Moore towards the end of the year last year. Turns out he's just kind of ass. Mm-hmm. But it seems like Rashi Rice So ass has, I didn't even mention him as I was yeah, mentioning all the receivers. Has far more of a profile. Yeah, he didn't even mention, yeah, he didn't mention I forgot him, about him amongst the, the bum fucks of, of that <laughs> wide receiver room. Um, let's see. I'm, I like to, you know me, I like to spread out positions. I like to get one of each. What, so what, I'll go here with a guy that like, I've Pat? talked what, up a lot what on are your, this. What are your favorite positions, Pat? You said you like to spread them out. And oh like yeah, um, uh, missionary <laughs> typically. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I actually <laughs> just I actually just called my boy Jerome. He's on his way here to you know straighten me back <laughs> oh, out. So. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um, Continue. Um, so let's go here with Trey McBride, um, a guy who's really come on strong lately, especially in Kyler, and it has coincided perfectly with with Kyler Murray. You know. 
Seven plus targets in all four games with him. He's catching touchdowns. You know, Hollywood is still seeing a decent amount of targets. Like Greg Dorch is kind of emerged too, but like not only is he the most, you know, um I feel like the most valuable guy, but he he is producing. Not only is he getting the volume, he is the most productive pass catcher in in that whole offense. Mm. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, Trey McBride has looked like an absolute beast, and uh, if you have managed to snag him after being in tight end hell, man, you feel like you are in tight end heaven for sure because he's one of the few guys that, you know, like, look, Sam Laporta's having a great year. Trust me, I know that firsthand, but you were not able to get Sam Laporta off waivers most likely. Like, he was still a mid to late round pick in most leagues. Trey McBride is one of the rare tight ends that you could get off the waiver wire that's actually going to be solid you know throughout the rest of the season there was a point that we talked about a few weeks ago where you know I had on top of Laporta I had both Dalton Kincaid and Trey McBride on my team and once Kincaid had a good game I dropped McBride Mm. I wish I dropped Kincaid I wish I kept McBride because McBride seems like he's going to be the one that has the longer term value the rest of the season bro I would be flexing the fuck out of Trey McBride over Calvin Ridley if I still had him it's genuinely gotten to the point where, like, in my dynasty, I have Trey McBride in a dynasty league, which is great. I have considered starting him over Travis Kelsey. Like, the, yeah. I, I haven't put, like, any serious thoughts, like, you know, like, actually ever come close to doing it, but it's it's like a thought you're having. Yeah. I mean, it's not, a, it's just, not an invalid I mean, we one. saw how Zach Ertz was getting peppered those first couple weeks. Obviously, different quarterback, but still same system. So, they like using the tight end. I mean, again, he, he is was one of a great like a great late round dynasty pick if you did a if you did a dynasty startup this year like I did. Absolutely. Um Pat with my next pick. Look, we're obviously avoiding the Christian McCaffreys and the Tyreek Hills of the world because you're aware that they can put up big numbers. They've been doing it all year. Uh, but for another league winner that has been, you know, kind of spotty in terms of putting up big numbers, but I think is set for a relatively nuclear end of the season. This is the first guy I'm going to draft that I actually have and it is Bijan Robinson. It is the Ooh. Entire reason I traded for Bijan Robinson is because of this end of season schedule. And now, not only does he have this end of season schedule, he seems to be maintaining that sort of increased workload that we saw when we were like, look, Arthur Smith needs to learn how to use his best players, and he finally decided to. Bijan Robinson's matchups, Pat, for the next few weeks are the Buccaneers, who are 12th in terms of allowing fantasy mm-hmm. points to running back. So, you know, nothing crazy, but not a bad matchup. Relatively neutral, all things considered. The week after that, Carolina Panthers, 31st. Week after that, the Indianapolis Colts, 29th. Week after that, the Chicago Bears, 21st. We are looking at plus matchups for Bijan every week for the rest of the season. Obviously, this is a guy that, you know, was drafted in the first round in basically every league. But I think he's finally going to return that value here at the end of the season. It would not surprise me to see Bijan put up, at least in PPR leagues, top three running back numbers from now. I I really hope you're right with that one. Me too. Me too. <laughs> right, so I just want to make sure I don't fuck up here. That's been three picks apiece, right? We each got two picks Correct. Left, right? All yep. right. I'm going to go to a quarterback here, fill out my lineup here, and then go with a wild card in the last one. But, you know, we talked about Jordan Love a lot, but I think I'm going to go in a different direction. Similarly, a guy that has really not performed, but is starting to a little bit, and I think he's going to go nuclear. You're going to hate me for this, but I'm going Justin Fields. <sighs> Sad depression you know he has the fifth best strength of schedule uh, according to fantasy pros by the way i got this strength of schedule email uh emails jesus christ info from fantasy pros there and justin fields the biggest thing i've i've liked since he's come back is the way he's run the ball Mm -hmm. you know 18 18 carries for 104 yards then 12 for 59 hasn't gotten the touchdowns He, he needs to obviously he needs to pick things up in the passing game and this bears team is still pretty bad 
So, you know, maybe you're hoping you could get some garbage time there too, but it's wild. Who would have thought at the beginning of the year that we were saying that Justin Fields would be a more bold pick for a league winner than Jordan Love? Yeah, that is that is true. Um, look, I'm not I'm not upset with you. Look, I, I obviously I traded away Justin Fields, but C.J. Stroud has just been an absolute oh, yeah, you rock can't for be. me. So totally fine. Even though C.J. doesn't have Tank Dell, which like the Tank Dell thing bums me out for not just losing Tank, but losing uh, such a great weapon that elevates C.J. to put up you know some of these thirty point games. Hopefully he'll be all right even without him. But yeah, I Justin Fields certainly could be primed for a solid end of the season. Um, let's see who I'm going to go, Pat. You've inspired me to potentially broaden my horizons here with positions because I had mostly running backs and receivers on my list but okay look this is a guy that's been good for the last basically two months of the season he's been really good but because of the manner in which you could have gotten him on your team that being the waiver wire and the time in which you did it I am going to pick Dak Prescott the Cowboys have a pretty fantasy-friendly schedule the rest of the way. Look, they face yeah. the Eagles this week, who I feel like people still hear Eagles and are like, oh, good defense. Yeah, they have the worst pass defense in football. Yeah, it's, it's a rough so, running defense, yeah. As well. Yeah, so best worst pass defense in football, that is going to be very favorable for Dak. And then they've got the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Lions. I mean, the best defense they're going to play in that stretch is going to be the Lions, and even that, it's still you know not conducive to bad passing numbers. Like, Dak Prescott, I think... The, the past two months, Pat, have been unbelievable for is him. He, I mean, is he going to win MVP? If the season ended today, Dak Prescott would get my vote for MVP. And there's there's the thing, like the, three guys I've got what, in my What mind. a bizarre MVP, MVP year. I still, I still can yeah. see that if Tyreek Hill gets to 2,000 yards, he should win MVP. He should, but yeah. If, if, we're, if, that, if that does not happen, we're basically going off of the quarterbacks. I think it's Dak Prescott, and I, he's actually a guy I didn't really think of because, like, MVP frontrunner, but you're right because... He was drafted as like, you know, I think QB 11, QB 12, like a low end guy, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a one QB league. And they have just been fantastic. And that was why my, my pal Tony Pollard was on my list. I'm not going to draft him. But similarly, for that reason, that that offense has just been so good and provided so many scoring opportunities. CeeDee Lamb has probably been the second best wide receiver in fantasy this year outside of Tyreek Hill. And it's brought Brandon yeah. Cooks back from the life and Jake Ferguson. Like that, that offense is just clicking on all cylinders, and I cannot wait for them to lose on the road at Atlanta in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, man, that will be beautiful. Yeah, look, Dak Prescott, since their bye week, has gone for 28, 28, 37, 16, weirdly, against the Panthers, 32, and 28. So, like, monstrous fantasy number. Like, th- th- we're not just talking about putting up 20. Like, we're talking about borderline yeah. 30 he's the, almost he's the every week. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, dude, how hot? Okay. Yeah, Dak has just been a monster. Like, you look since the bye, it's, like, fascinating, the touchdown totals he's had. Before their bye, in the six games that the Cowboys played, Dak Prescott threw more than one passing touchdown once. It was week two against the Jets. Since their bye, he hasn't thrown fewer than two in any game. It's wild. Four, three, four, two, four, three. Like, I have no reason to think this will slow down. Um, if you got Dak on a QB needy team at some point in the middle of your season, you now have maybe the best quarterback in fantasy. So I, I have to consider him a league winner. Yeah, that, 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 that's fair. That, that, that's really fair. All right. So we're here at our last pick. I like to mention some guys here. Obviously we mentioned Jordan Love. We mentioned Nico Collins. We mentioned Tony Pollard. I'm going to go with a guy here who we have kind of, you know, who I feel like has been playing chicken with us all year, but 
Um, ever since he came back from injury, his snap count has grown every week. Uh, the, in their team's most recent game, he was the starter. He led the team in snaps. And as much as I've been on the Gus bus all year, Keaton Mitchell is my is my final pick here in the league winner draft. Wow. Okay. Planting the flag in Keaton Mitchell to actually, uh, and, you know, produce and you know, here. Deliver. A lot of times you see guys off the bye week get the keys to the car. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest downside to Keaton Mitchell is obviously that, like, if they are at the one yard line, Gus Edwards is getting the ball. Keaton Mitchell's not getting the ball, but he's shown he's explosive and dynamic enough to score touchdowns, you know, on longer runs. And, you know, Edwards is a fine running back. He has his role and he'll still be a factor, but. Mitchell is just such a more dynamic player. And similar to the Cowboys, this team has just looked really good. This team has just looked really good. Yeah, that is totally fair. Um, the Ravens may be on a collision course with the number one seed in the AFC. So, you know, getting a piece of that offense is fair. Just a matter of if he actually cashes in on, uh, you know, some of that potential that we've seen from him so far. Okay, I'm down to my final pick here. Um, I'm between a few different guys. I, oh, do I want to go with this? Look, I'm going to put some faith in my own players here, Pat. I'm going to put my faith in, in one other player that I have, and it's not Nico Collins. I'm going to put my faith in Brees Hall. Brees oh, Hall. wow. Yeah. Look, See, I would almost put him in the opposite. I, I understand that. I'm, so I'm, inter- I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested to hear what you have to say here. Look, let's get the negatives out of the way with Brees Hall, right? I traded for him right before the Broncos game where he went for 177 yards and a touchdown. Since that point, he has not eclipsed 50, eclipsed 50 rushing yards. In fact, in five of his six games uh, over the last six weeks, he has not eclipsed 30 <laughs> rushing yards. Um This offense is an unmitigated disaster. There's no question about it. But Brees is another guy that I was preaching about because of his end-of-season schedule, and I'm going to stick by that, especially in PPR leagues. I think he's going to be okay. You see what the Jets are doing at quarterback, and I'm not going to say that they're going to find the answer, right? But they are continuously trying to find somebody that can run at least a competent offense. They they went from Wilson to Boyle, just hoping to get a spark. They realized there was no spark, so they decided to go to you know Trevor Simeon or whatever. Now they want to go back to Wilson. I think eventually this offense will stabilize to a degree that at least allows the starting running back that gets the vast majority of their touches to put up numbers in these good matchups. This is mo- I have more confidence in this pick in PPR leagues, which we are not, so this is a semi-unbiased pick here because those are the leagues that I have more confidence in. But Brees Hall is still getting it done in terms of the floor of receptions because the last several weeks, look, he's had six, seven, five, three, four, six receptions. Like, you're still getting that floor there. Then if he can start breaking these big plays, like his schedule coming up, the Texans are 16th against against the run. Next week, you've got the uh, Dolphins, who are 6th against the run. Obviously, that's not a great matchup. The week after that, though, the Commanders, who are 25th against the run. Then you've got the Browns, who are 14th against the run. Call it blind confidence, and I would not, I will not be surprised if this backfires on me, but I still have faith that Brees Hall is going to be more than a 30-rushing-yard-a-game yeah. player. I think there's... N- there's nowhere to go but up for this Jets offense, and I, I hesitate to say that, too, because I've watched them be shit for a long fucking time, yeah, but I, I just I have some faith that they'll get a little better, and it will reflect well on I mean, the best player in their offense. And, I mean, I don't blame you for sticking to your guns here if that's why you traded for him, because obviously it hasn't happened yet. 
Mm. Obviously, what's happened in the few weeks leading up has not been particularly promising, especially with Dalvin Cook. You know, Robert Sala, you know, was vocal that he was going to get more touches last week. And he, yeah, fuck I think Robert it was Sala. his best game of the year. He still didn't <laughs> look particularly great, but. Right. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the bolt. Who would have thought a guy like Brees Hall, who was you know going to be a league winner last year, it was probably the boldest pick of this whole thing that we did. Right yeah, now. it's funny too because like I I haven't fully like processed emotionally how bad Brees Hall has been the last few weeks because it hasn't necessarily mattered. Like I've been kind of coasting for like a couple weeks, knowing that you know I was probably going to make the playoffs and then I get the one seed, whatever weird flex, but okay, like. He ha- he's not a guy that I've like looked at like oh man he's really costing me games. Whereas in reality like I'd be a lot better if I just had Raheem Mostert still instead of Brees Hall at least right now. But I have faith that Brees Hall can can at least outproduce Raheem Mostert when it matters most, which is right now. Look like Devon A. Chan's back for the Dolphins, right? Like Mostert's still in such a great situation, but you know, gun to my head, gun to my head, I'd pick Raheem Mostert. But I still have faith in Brees Hall yeah, going forward here. And um. Well, the deepest guy I even had on my list, a super deep throw, Alec Pierce. I, you know, he had a good I, game last week. Yeah. Jim Bob Cooter also. I didn't realize he was the Colts offensive coordinator, but I'm ecstatic that he is. Mm, uh, Hall too. of Fame name there. One, one of these days we've got to do the NFL name draft in the offseason. But um, Jim Bob will certainly be. But he said that, like, he was asked, like, why Alec Pierce hadn't been involved. And he said, it's on me. Like, that mm. he just wasn't, you know, drawn up the plays for him. And... We saw him catch a deep touchdown. That was kind of his whole appeal is that this guy is a, you know, a big playmaker, deep threat kind of guy. Obviously, Michael Pittman's been fantastic, really consistent. But I could see Pierce almost supplanting Josh Downs in this sort of number two role or at least cutting into that. Yeah, it's interesting with Pierce because I I saw those comments as well. So it made me look up, you know, the Colts and their snap counts and all that. Pierce is Pierce hardly ever comes off the field. He just doesn't get targeted. Like his Pierce's snap counts on the season, I'll go through all of them. 92, 100, th- these are percentage. 92, 100, 96, 91, 98, 74, maybe he got hurt, don't remember. 100, 94, 100, 96, 95, 99. Like this guy's on the field for all but a handful of snaps every single week, and yet this is basically the first time we've heard his name all season. So, Pat, this is another guy that I was thinking about starting over Calvin Ridley, but I don't think I have the sack to do that. Although he might be like, the highest ceiling guy that I, yeah, I've I don't think he's got the volume of, there. To, yeah, I, to the volume, especially the volume's with, not there to feel good about, especially it, still. with Pittman and Josh Downs, who's getting you know at least a steady amount of work in that offense, too. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I saw basically I think every catch from Alec Pierce this week because they were just both deep bombs, so they showed them both on red zone. I, I guess he had three catches, sorry. So there was one other one that is unaccounted for, but he they are not plays that you can bank on. But if he's going to get some some of this involvement the rest of the way, then great. I mean, six targets in back to back weeks is more consistency from an involvement standpoint than we've seen from him all season. So yeah, Pierce is a guy to keep on your radar. I think it would have been a little. A little juicy for a league winner's draft. I think that might have been uh, getting, getting ahead of ourselves there. But I think that is a fair player to at least, you know, you had your eye on him. I respect that. Uh, I might start him still. You never fucking know. All right, moving on to, Pat, I want to touch on the best available defenses slash special teams for the playoffs. Because, again, I think it's one of the most underrated things to think about for fantasy. Oh, if it your matters, does man. have this position. matters a lot. Um, and I think a lot of people just kind of fly by the seat of their pants here when it comes to this position. But you don't we talked to. about this... 
We talked about this a few weeks ago um, in terms of best matchups for the fantasy playoffs, but, you know, things change. Obviously, quarterback situations have changed, which make the defenses that you want to target potentially different. Um, the, the defenses I've identified here are the ones that are relatively likely or at least possible to be available in your league. I originally had the Steelers on here, but they're owned in like virtually every league yet, but their upcoming schedule is great. If you have the Steelers, you're starting them. Forget about it. The rest of these defenses though, Pat, first we'll start with the Falcons. They're also owned quite a bit at uh, 78% on ESPN leagues, but their upcoming matchups are the Bucks, the Panthers, the Colts, and the Bears. I mean, that is a pretty favorable stretch. I, I guess maybe the Bears are the best offense there, but this is a defense that's been playing well and has some pretty soft matchups the rest of the way. Um, sticking in the NFC South here, you've got the Saints. They're 58% owned. They will face the Panthers, the Giants, the Rams, and the Bucks. Then you've got the Vikings at 29% owned. They will face the Raiders, the Bengals, the Lions, and the Packers. So look, whoa, the, whoa, the, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is this is more of a next two weeks sort of start. Uh, whoa, sorry, Pat. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Your your Raiders are certainly the worst team among that bunch, but you could potentially get through your first two weeks in the playoffs by starting the Vikings against the Raiders and Agreed. the Jake Browning Bengals. Look, Browning looked great, but I'm not banking on Browning to keep looking like this the rest of the yeah. way. And, Obviously, and the, I'm going with these other defenses yeah. before them, but if this is your best option, it's not a bad one. And with the Raiders at the end of the day, while they haven't been terrible, they've been pretty competitive, it is not in part due to their offense. It is because right. of their defense. So they do not score a lot of points. No, starting the defense that's facing Aiden O'Connell is not a bad idea. Um, the Indianapolis Colts defense will face the Jake Browning Bengals, then the Steelers, which will either be Trubisky or Pickett, either way. Um, then the Falcons and the Raiders, just a bunch of offenses that you don't really fear. The Packers, this is an interesting one, 25% um, owned. They will face the Tommy DeVito Giants, then the Bucks, then the Panthers, then the Vikings. Maybe the most vulnerable group of quarterbacks I've mentioned here. I guess the, the Saints will face, you know, the Panthers and then... Will it be DeVito by that point with the Giants? I don't know. They, they've committed to starting DeVito this week, which is what made me a little more confident in the Packers. But um, Tyrod Taylor is practicing again. And if he gets the nod, like, yeah, he's not a very good quarterback either, but I think he might provide a slightly less fantasy-friendly um, yeah. opposition than DeVito. I, either way, I guess you could you could start him. But, you know, it's it makes me feel better knowing that they're facing the, the Italian stallion, Tommy DeVito here. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Tommy. Uh, maybe your mom can make you dinner. You'll feel better about it. Yeah, but I think I think the biggest team out of that you said there is the Saints because like that was the whole appeal of them the whole season yeah. was like draft the Saints defense because they have such a soft schedule and they haven't been fantastic. But like you were, I've had them in a league where I have held two defenses on many many weeks this year. Like I've picked up another defense and hung on to the Saints just for this. Yeah. So like you, you feel like this is the moment you've been waiting for here. And they better come through, but also obviously the Falcons are justifiably owned in uh in, in a lot of leagues here because um you know, not terrible offenses, but a bit turnover they could be turnover prone. Yeah, absolutely. And then one more bonus defense, which is barely owned in any leagues, but is still a very good matchup, at least this week, uh, but honestly has some soft ones the rest of the way too. The Houston Texans. I have way yep. too much invested in the Texans already, but their matchups of the upcoming weeks are the New York Jets with quarterback TBD, who the fuck knows, the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns, and the Tennessee Titans again. A bunch of questionable quarterbacks in there. Look, could I see one of those Titans games turning into a shootout? Sure, but 
I still don't mind, you know, deploying the defense that's facing Will Levis or deploying the defense that's going to face Joe Flacco or Dorian Thompson Robinson against the Browns. That's a pretty good matchup. At the very least, you could pick them up and start maybe one of the best defensive plays of the week this week against the Jets. Um, Texan is definitely an option as far as streamers go. Pat, we'll check in on on our playoff projections again next week. We mentioned it last week about what we thought would happen um, in, you know, the AFC and the NFC once playoffs actually roll around. But there's been there's been some changes for sure, but I think we'll push that one off until next week and let you guys we know. We got some good viewing how, questions here. Yeah, we'll let you guys know how we expect the NFL playoffs to play out um, after another week of football and we'll kind of absorb what's going to happen this week. We do have some good viewer questions, which is why we want to get to them. First question, though, Pat, was one posed by it's you um, because it is a valid one and one that I'm sure some people are wondering about. So and this I question... Am, oh, go ahead. I, I am shocked at some of the discourse I've seen on on Twitter about this. I'm I'm surprised that so many people disagree with my stance. Mm-hmm. And the question is should non-playoff teams like not eliminated like the playoffs have started. Yes. Should those teams be able to make waiver claims? And I am in of almost emphatic no. Um, Agreed. The the biggest thing I hear in the contrast is like, "Oh, I paid to play, for, you know, the whole season." It's like, "Yeah, your whole season was 13 weeks or 14 weeks and you missed the playoffs. Your season is over. Mm-hmm. So like you, you could say that like you paid for the whole thing, but you, you got what you paid for and you didn't make the playoffs. The only time ever you'd, I think it's acceptable is if there are prize or punishment implications, but those are things Definitely. that should never be based on the consolation games. In my opinion, if you're going to punish the loser, that's the regular season loser. But, um, yeah, don't do it. I, I'm just so surprised at people, like, why anyone would even want to do it. It's like, and I'm also of this thing, don't drop anybody. Like, yeah, I, don't think you, I, I don't think you should drop anybody. Like, I, I'm hang, I hung on to the Lions defense in case I made the playoffs. And I'm not dropping them because I don't want to have any hand in yeah. how these playoff matchups go. And that's the way I think eliminated teams should go by. Regular season, if you're eliminated... Go 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 nuts! Keep playing the way you're going to play. Yeah, you're the spoiler at that point. You're, you're totally valid as a spoiler. I mean, that's that's the fun of it. Um, if you have a bad team, that is. But yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Like, if you've established before the season that there is something to play for, whether it's you know next year's draft position. I know some leagues do that. Or if it's like you know maybe there's some money in the consolation bracket. Who knows? Then you could have that argument, but. Honestly, guys, don't rule it out. Like, it's more fun to do it this way. Like, for the playoff teams, I look forward to, like, looking at the waiver order and being like, cool, I'm competing with only three other people now for waiver claims yeah. and trying to strategize that way. I think it's I think it's fun. Um, it makes the playoffs even more competitive than they already are. Um, and, like, let's just face it. If you're if you didn't make your playoffs, like, like you said, your season is over. Like, I'm sorry that's a tough reality that you have to face, but it's over. You ain't playing for nothing else, and your roster should basically be frozen by that point. So... Go pay attention to your other leagues where you did make the playoffs or move on to fantasy basketball or fantasy yeah. baseball. And or it just, and it just slams the door wide open for collusion. You know, if, you, if you're yeah, behind the guy, does. but your best buddy in the league is ahead of him, you say claim him and fuck that guy. Like, like it's just your team is irrelevant. Like, your team is done at that point. And these are probably the same people that love to veto every trade in the world and cry collusion sure. that, are now, that, that are now saying this. Yeah, I just, it, it just it just baffles me. I don't get... I, I don't get why you would um I just don't get it, you know, make playoffs. Make playoffs. And here's, and here's the thing. So we got a we got a comment in here from uh, FPS Gandhi saying, No, I still want to make claims. I'm playing for pride and I still want to win the losers bracket. So what I'll say to that is 
what we're talking about is your commissioner should set this rule before the season. Like, if they have not set a rule, yeah, I mean, go crazy, I guess. Like, we're not saying this is a morality thing, like, oh, don't make claims if you didn't make the playoffs. If that's the rule, then yes, follow that rule. But if that's not a rule, then you need to talk about that for the following season because that's just that's what it should be like a really competitive league would just have this rule in place um we've had it for years and it's it's made the league uh truthfully a lot more fun yeah um, and so i'll that, even say one instance a couple years ago was where um you know i got bounced in the semifinals and the guy that i played in the third place game was like hey let's throw 15 bucks on it winner takes 30 bucks and i needed a defense so like you were in the finals brandon because of course you fucking were and like i <laughs> I said to you and, and the other guy, Connor, I said, hey, guys, like, are you going to pick this defense up? Like, I'm just going to pick them up and play them the next two weeks, and that's all I'm doing. I'm not touching it otherwise. Like, if there are situations, at least, <clears throat> excuse me, God, I was so good with that until then, too. Um, <laughs> Monologue, um, let, let waivers clear first, and if guys don't yeah. want to claim them, then maybe you could pick them up after. I'm still an advocate of just not making pickups at all. But at least let these playoff teams get the first crack at it. That's what I would say. That that would be my answer. You can still play for pride, but. Totally agree. To each league their own, but that is a rule we both highly recommend. Uh, all right. Our first actual viewer question is from a common viewer, commonly gives us questions. This is David Lambeau. And <laughs> David Lambeau David. Has, has asked, parenting tips, question mark? We'll be watching the pod from labor and delivery tonight, LOL. Pat, I put this question in because it is hilariously absurd for a multitude of reasons. First of all, David, thank you for being such a uh, diehard listener. That it's going to be are, our youngest fan there. You, you are listening to this pod while your wife is giving birth. Um, that's amazing. Secondly, and the more absurd part somehow of this, you're asking us for parenting advice? Whether you actually think or know that we were parents or not, we're not. Um, I'm 26 and our, I live at home. To ask our dumbasses for parenting advice is certainly a fucking choice. I'll I tell you that much. I never breed offsprings ever. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like that's could, that's like my favorite in the world. There should be no more me's anywhere. <laughs> no more pats. Look, we're Pat. We're trending the same way. Truthfully, um, I will say parenting David, advice. Though, make them listen to the pod. That's all yeah, I got for you. I will say, David. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Uh, thank you for listening and watching. Thank you for watching right now if you're here. But uh, yeah, that's 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 that is hilarious. <laughs> my my other piece of advice is uh, if you don't name your child Brandon or Pat, uh, you're you're banned. We're blocking you from listening to the pod or following. First name Benchwarmer. First, yes, Benchwarmer. It's gender neutral, so you could definitely there go, go with sure. Benchwarmer. I mean, Pat is as well, and I guess Brandon could be if you really wanted it. Brandy, Pat, yeah, Pat is more so. Betsy's All on right. the swing, yeah. That was my grandmother's name, so yeah, it works like that. Oh, the more you know. All right, next question, actually football-related. What's the outlook for Justin Jefferson coming back? Start over Pollard in flex. This question from Kubek Tim. What kind of league are you in, my guy? Uh, Yeah, well, that's true. How are you considering those? Although, Pat, to be fair, I'm in like a random ESPN 10-teamer that I use just to monitor PPR, like scoring, for so I yep. can do it for my videos. And uh, Pollard is a guy that I do have the flexibility to bench just because I have a bunch of good running backs. So I, yeah. I honestly, I kind of get it if those were like two of his first three picks. But 
And he just managed to nail guys like Kyron later, you know, nail him. Uh, yes, look, you're starting, if you have that flexibility and that's your choice, uh, you know, with no other context, yeah, start Justin Jefferson over Tony Pollard in his first week back. I, 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 don't, say so. I don't care personally. You're starting I would say Jefferson. so, especially against the Eagles, but like we talked about after with Dak and Pollard, obviously that they've got a good schedule thereafter. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure who else you have on your team, but it's yeah. probably damn good. Still, even still, it's probably still a damn good team if th- those are your flex decisions. I bet a lot of people are wishing that that was their decision. Yeah, I mean, for reference, like, there's a league, Pat, where I do have Tony, and he's on my bench in favor of McCaffrey, who was my first pick, and, you know, you could sub Caffrey for Jefferson in this in this scenario, I guess. Then I've got Devon H. Hand, Jameer Gibbs, like, James Cook, Brian Robinson, Kyron Williams, and I haven't made trades in this league. I just drafted a bunch of good running backs, I guess. Um, so if he's got a roster similarly constructed to that, then I can understand that. So, uh, But, yeah, based on my roster, I think I'm headed for the title in this meaningless league that I'm not even going to remember I ever played in. Uh, yeah, start right. Justin Jefferson over Tony Pollard for sure. Next question is... Is Jake Browning an actual fantasy asset now, even if just in Superflex? This question from <sighs> Tippy Bite. In Superflex, I got to yeah. say, absolutely. Superflex, yeah. I think, of course. Yeah. Um, in, in regular leagues, you'd have to be pretty desperate to go with Jake Browning. I mean, yeah. look, I know he just put up 26.6 points. Uh, look, the two weeks before this, 11.98. And then, I actually, I won't count the Ravens because he subbed in for Burrow midway through. But like the matchups are pretty good. Like he faces the Colts and then the Vikings. Um, but we just talked about how the defenses that are facing Jake Browning are assets for fantasy. So I'm not going to talk out both sides of my mouth and say, yes, he's definitely a fantasy asset at quarterback. If you are just in the absolute fucking dumpster, like if you had, you know, Kirk cousins and then Trevor Lawrence and lost both of them. Like if you, if you, if your next best option is like Mac Jones, then yes, go with Jake Browning. He's shown competence. He has good receivers. I think that's a big one. He has one of the best receiver duos in football because he's using the same one that Burroughs had forever. Um, You know, he becomes viable in that sense, but just don't expect Browning to give you anything more than 12 to 15 on a regular basis. Like this, this 26 is a miracle. He's certainly creeping towards fantasy relevance, and he played. He looked great last night. Like it, it, there was a start of the game. I'm like, has this guy missed yet? And he hadn't to that point. He hadn't thrown an incompletion yet to that point. There, I thought that. But they've got a hell of a backup in Tyler Boyd anyway. Oh my god, the Tyler Boyd that that was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. I get he's not a quarterback, but like your guy that you what? wanted to throw it to fell down, so you just throw the laziest pass back to Joe Mixon, not even the guy you want to throw it to. And just directly at a Jaguar. I've I've never seen a pass more directly thrown to a defender, I think, in my That was life. worse like, than the Jacoby Myers thing, in my opinion. Obviously, the implications are different, but, like, sure. the throw, the decision, like, the, the throw was so much worse. At least Jacoby yeah. Myers was a quarterback back in the day. Well, at least Jacoby Myers, it, like, almost got to the guy it was supposed to get to. Like, it was a little closer. I mean, yeah, that, that was... It a, was his former teammate he threw it to, too, so... <laughs> mind-boggling decision on the part of Pat. Yeah, that, that one, that one right. got a good laugh out of me last night. And the final question, uh, Pat, I think I have some pretty strong thoughts on this, as we I probably do, do as well. Uh, is it morally okay to tank Week 14 so that you can send your buddy to the playoffs? No. <laughs> For the most part, no. Don't do yeah. that. Um, I, Pat, honestly, so this is one thing. I have wrestled with is it okay to tank in a way if you think the seeding that will follow benefits you because we've 
Not that we've seen that in the NFL before, but like you'll see teams not put out their best roster because they have nothing more to gain the rest oh, yeah. of the seasons. Like, you know, I would almost maybe get it from that perspective. I would still probably lean no, don't fucking do that. Um, you know, put out your lineup because especially if you are like benching all of your guys you're and you're actually throwing up, if you're actually throwing up a zero or you're throwing in guys that have no business in fantasy lineups, then that's just kind of fucked up. Like that takes a lot of the fun out of it and ruins it for you know who you're playing and the other people fighting for that playoff spot like don't ruin the integrity of your league just to get your buddy in the playoffs the and i'll say time, this much too fantasy karma is a thing it's very the only much time a thing. you should be tanking is in a dynasty league where i yes am in a ten, exactly i am in a 10 team dynasty league where three teams are tanking and i am the only other team that is outside the playoffs right now yeah so that's a big one but yeah unless there are again implications for the next year which in your redraft league, there's probably not. Probably, but yeah. Not. I right. unless there are justifiable lineup decisions, but someone's gonna call your bullshit on that. And the way I see it is just like, play your own game, play your own game, man. People are gonna cry collusion. It's fantasy football. It's just not. It's not worth the heat you would take on that, in my opinion. No, no. Fantasy football is meant to be fun. Two guys from a league I'm in for some uh, possible collusion. <laughs> no shot. Those two clowns are listening to this, so. I, I will say that's my favorite part about our league, Pat, is that everybody is trying up until the end of the year. We're all on the same page of how the playoffs should go. Like it's it it makes actually winning the league feel like an accomplishment. Like that's why that's why yeah, I it feels like an so actual much. you know sports league the way the right. way we've got it. Yeah, nobody's nobody's pulling some bullshit like that. So yeah, no, don't do that. I understand the question. I'm not going to roast you too hard for asking the question no. because it people have mentioned stuff like that before, but. And long term, like your league probably won't survive if you if you start doing shit like that because other people, if especially if there's like multiple teams that are fighting for that playoff spot and you're contributing to them not getting in, that league's gonna crumble real fast. So don't do that. It would be my recommendation, Pat. As you lay, probably fairly uncomfortably on your side with no I camera, I am turning uh, on my camera. <laughs> do you have? Oh, oh yeah. See, see. Why did you deprive us of this view all show? Oh, this is. Oh yeah, yeah this is great. This would be our highest ratings of all time. This is like yeah, a little titty action here, God. You can actually see my full girth on like my catfish <laughs> picture that's on our <laughs> podcast page. This is the pillow talk version of off the bench. Uh, you got anything to say to the people before we go offline? But uh, no, I mean for most leagues, uh, this is your last week before the uh, before the playoffs. So, yep. Good luck. Um, I'm, I've got a, cl- I've clinched in two of my leagues. I've got two that I'm going to be battling for. So, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, but uh, good luck. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, I will keep you guys posted on my quest for ring number five in our league. Uh, I don't, I don't know how I feel. I feel okay. So we'll, we'll see how, what our score stands at after this week, but guys, thank you for listening and watching as always be sure to follow us and rate us highly on whatever you're listening or watching on, but Until next week, for Pat Gustafson, I'm Brandon Carney. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, guys.